Hello, thank you for listening on today's podcast. The name of the episode is Pink October. Why Pink October? Well, earlier this month, I happened to attend a fundraising event called uh, Big Gold, Go Bold for Childhood Cancer. This is an event that was held by Faraja Cancer Support Trust with uh, the main sponsor of the event being Victoria from Bank. The nature of the event was a run. Uh, we had the 5, 10 and uh, 24 kilometer run. So, at that time, it didn't occur to me it was pink October. Later on in the month, I realized I see these large billboards by Kenchi Limited on breast cancer. Well, that was a curious state of affairs. I mean, Kenchi, breast cancer. For a moment, I wasn't able to put it together. Then further into the month, we had uh, a lot of media coverage going towards cancer and uh, particularly breast cancer. So it got me asking, how come the whole media space right now is so conscious, is so vocal about cancer and particularly breast cancer? So happens that happens that uh, we are having Pink October. What is Pink October? Pink October is a global campaign dedicated to raising awareness of breast cancer, promoting early detection and supporting those affected by the disease. It is celebrated every October and is marked by a variety of events and initiatives, including fundraisers such as that that I've mentioned, walks and educational programs. So why is breast cancer awareness important? Breast cancer is the most common cancer among women worldwide. And listen to this. It is, it is second to lung cancer. I, I didn't see that coming. Uh, I'm not certain you had that fact as such in your mind, but now you do know that the leading, co- leading cause of death, of cancer deaths rather, amongst women the first one is lung cancer then we have breast cancer following in second now early detection is key to successful treatment of breast cancers it allows for more effective treatment options and better outcomes the iconic pink ribbon became a symbol of this movement conveying hope and solidarity throughout the month of october landmarks public spaces and individuals wear and display pink ribbons to raise awareness. Events, educational campaigns and fundraisers are organized to emphasize the importance of early detection through self-examinations, mammograms, mammograms sorry, and regular checkups. The initiative, the Pink October initiative, has significantly increased awareness about breast cancer and the importance of early diagnosis, saving countless lives through the through improved prevention and treatment. Breast cancer is a type of cancer that forms in the cells of the breast. It can occur in both men and women. This is important to note that in as far as it will, uh, it will be easier to assume that this is, uh, this is dominantly a women issue. We have it occurring in men as well. The exact causes of breast cancer are complex, but factors like genetics, family history, and uh, lifestyle can contribute to its development. 
there are many ways to get involved in Pink October and support breast cancer awareness and early detection. Well, here are a few. You could get screened if you're a woman of uh, age 40 and above. You know, talk to your doctor about getting a mammogram. Mammograms are actually the best way to detect breast cancer early and uh, when it is most treatable. You could donate to breast cancer charity. There are many breast cancer charities that support research, education, and patient care. You can donate online, by mail, or participating in a fundraising event. Or you can do just what I'm doing today, spread the word, talk to your friends and family about the importance of early detection of breast cancer, encourage them to get screened and to learn more about the disease. And actually when it comes to learning, I hope by the end of this episode you'll have, uh, have added to your wealth of knowledge about health and uh, it could come in very handy in terms of uh, empathy and care that you could offer anyone that may be affected. Notably, uh, I had one of my friends actually lose their mom within this past week to throat cancer. So sometimes it strikes closest home, you know. You just need to be a decent human being, decent enough to at least understand to a level that allows you to, you know, display empathy, show it and uh, make those around you, if they are patients, to feel that you are uh, empathetic and able to respond to their needs at the moment. In addition to getting screened regularly, there are other things you can do to reduce the risk of breast cancer. This includes maintaining a healthy weight. Obesity is a risk factor for breast cancer. I do know there's been a lot of advocacy about uh, health, weight. We've seen so many people now having gym plans, actually paying for gym subscriptions. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. And the second point actually touches on what you've already mentioned, gymming. Exercise regularly. Aim for at least 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise most days of the week. Eating a healthy diet. This is, this should be second nature. The amount of information that is out there about health right now. The conversation is quite a buzz in most spaces. And uh, as in any other conversation... Eating a healthy diet when it comes to prevention and management of cancer is key. It goes without saying that you should eat plenty of fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Limit processed foods, red meat, and uh, sugary drinks. You know, those are the poisons of the masses. It's almost hard to resist. I mean, how, how do you resist processed food? For example, sugary drinks. Well... Don't worry, it gets sweeter. Limiting alcohol consumption. Now that one, <laughs> that one may be very tricky for some of us. But yes, you heard it right. You have to limit your alcohol consumptions if you are really keen on trying to to avoid getting breast cancer. Avoid smoking as well. It happens to be a risk factor for many types of cancer, including breast cancer. Pink October is a great opportunity to learn about breast cancer and to support those affected by the disease by getting screened regularly, making healthy lifestyle choices and spreading the word about early detection. 
we can help make a difference. That's the light rate of this conversation. Now, let's dive into what may pass for, or, or rather, be a threshold of common knowledge on breast cancer. As already mentioned, early detection is key. Good news, you can do self-examinations from the comfort of your home. You should be looking out for lumps, change in breast shape, or skin dimpling, but don't rely solely on self-examination. Regular mammograms are crucial for early detection. While a mammogram, mammogram from the name mammary glands, is a mammogram is a type of breast imaging that uses low-dose x-rays to detect and diagnose breast cancer and other breast abnormalities. It typically, it's typically performed by a radiologic technologist and involves compressing the breast between two plates to obtain detailed x-ray images. Self-exams for breast cancer involve individuals examining their own breast regularly to detect any changes or abnormalities such as lumps or change in texture. Well, if we compare mammograms to self-exams, mammograms are more effective at detecting breast cancer. Mammograms are highly sensitive and can detect small tumors and or abnormalities that may not be felt during a self-exam. The effectiveness of self-tests for breast cancer varies. It's important to consult with a healthcare provider to determine the appropriate breast cancer screening strategy for your individual risk factor and age. While breast cancer can manifest in different ways, the most common early sign is a painless lump or thickening in the breast or underarm area. Others may include change in breast size or shape, a noticeable change in the size or shape of one breast or specific area of the breast. While most cancer lumps are painless, some individuals may experience breast or nipple pain. Skin changes such as uh, redness, dimpling, or puckering of the breast skin. Nipple changes such as retraction, that is the turning inward, discharge other than breast milk, or changes in the appearance of the nipple, swelling, warmth or darkening of the breast, often associated with inflammation. Sudden and unexplained weight loss can be an indicator of advanced breast cancer, enlarged lymph nodes in the underarm or near the collarbone may be a sign that breast cancer has spread. These symptoms are not always indicative of breast cancer, and many benign, that is non-cancerous conditions, can cause similar changes. However, if you notice any of these signs, it is essential to consult a healthcare provider for a thorough evaluation, including clinical breast exams, imaging, and if necessary, biopsies. Well, like you guessed it, breast cancer is much more common in women more than men. Demographically, breast cancer is predominantly a disease that affects women. Men make up a very small percentage of breast cancer cases. They account for less than 1% of breast cancer diagnosis worldwide. The risk of breast cancer increases with age, 
with majority of cases occurring in women over the age of 50. However, breast cancer can affect women of all ages. Individuals with a family history of breast cancer or certain genetic mutations, for example the BRCA1 and BRCA2, that is the breast cancer gene 1 and breast cancer gene 2, are at a higher risk. We have hormonal factors such as early menstruation, late menopause, and hormone replacement therapy. This can influence your risk. However, breast cancer is generally lethal in men more than women due to several factors. One, because men are less likely to be screened for breast cancer, the disease is often diagnosed at a later, more advanced stage in men than in women. Late-stage cancer is generally more challenging and uh, we've had these across the various types of cancer. Many men are not, as, are not as aware of the signs and symptoms of breast cancer, which can lead to delayed diagnosis. Some studies suggest that male breast cancer may be biologically different from female breast cancer, potentially making it more aggressive. There is generally less experience and data on treating male breast cancer, which can affect treatment outcomes. Well, in trying to understand all these issues around Pink October, I found the following medical terms often coming up in my finding. What is a lymph node? Well, or rather, what are lymph nodes? These are small, bean-shaped structures in the body that are part of the lymphatic system. In breast cancer, they are often checked for the pre that they are often checked for the presence of cancer cells as cancer can spread to nearby lymph nodes specifically and uh, probably under under the arm or near the collarbone what is a tumor a tumor is an abnormal mass or lump of tissue that can be benign non-cancerous or malignant cancerous that is in breast cancer, a malignant tumor refers to a cancerous growth in breast tissue. The third term I came across was metastasis. Metastasis is the spread of cancer from its original site to other parts of the body. In breast cancer, this can occur when cancer cells break away from the primary breast tumor and establish new tumors in distance organs like uh, lungs or even bones. What is a biopsy? A biopsy is a medical procedure in which a sample of tissue is taken from the body to examine it, to examine it under a microscope. In breast cancer, a biopsy is performed to, under, to determine if a breast lump or abnormality is cancerous or benign. Chemotherapy, this I'm sure you must have heard anywhere that we're discussing cancer. Chemotherapy is a cancer treatment that uses drugs to destroy or slow the growth of cancer cells. It can be used to treat breast cancer, often in combination with other therapies. Radiation therapy is a cancer treatment that uses high-energy radiation to target and destroy cancer cells. It's commonly used in breast cancer treatment, especially after surgery, to target any remaining cancer cells. Remission. Remission in the context of cancer means a decrease or a disappearance of signs and symptoms of cancer. It can be partial, some signs may remain, or complete, no signs or symptoms remaining. 
Achieving remission doesn't always mean the cancer is cured, but it indicates, but it indicates a positive response to treatment. Breast cancer is typically staged to determine the extent of the disease, which helps guide treatment decisions. The stages of breast cancer are often classified from stage 0 to stage 4. That means you have five stages right there, and treatment options may vary on the stage and individual factors. In the event one is diagnosed with cancer, some of the measures to ensure treatment success may include adherence to the treatment plan, management side effects, considering incorporating complementary therapies such as nutritional counseling, exercise, and emotional support to enhance your overall well-being, you have, we have regular follow-ups, maintaining a healthy lifestyle, including a balanced diet, regular exercise, and avoiding smoking and excessive alcohol consumption. Consider joining support groups, seeking counseling, and, and or talking to a therapist to address the emotional challenges of a cancer diagnosis and treatment. While the treatment periods equally vary, we have surgeries, which are often the first step, and uh, the duration of recovery varies. It may take a few weeks to a couple of months to fully recover from a surgery. We have radiation therapy, typically given over a span of several weeks, usually daily, over three to six weeks. Chemotherapy can last for a few months to six months or more, depending on the specific drugs and the treatment plan. Hormone therapy can be taken for several years or longer, particularly for hormone receptor positive breast cancer. Targeted therapy duration varies depending on the specific drug and treatment response. Immunotherapy may be administered over several weeks or even several months. Ooh, that's fair. I hope, I hope, I hope it doesn't sound all technical though. It's, it's always very good to expand the limits of what we know so further on we've i i believe by now we've covered most ground but kind of repetitive let me just mention this on dieting you know part of the preventive dieting that you could do is uh have fruits and vegetables fiber healthy fats lean protein limited red or processed meats moderate alcohol adequate hydration you find that these these are things you do in everyday living. They wouldn't be so new, okay? But now, you find that in the case of uh, cancer patients, food may become expensive, and here's why. We have special diets. Depending on your treatment and dietary needs, some specialized foods or supplements may be required, which may increase the cost. Some people switch to organic foods, which can be more expensive due to concerns about pesticides. However, it's not essential for cancer management. Supplements. In some cases, healthcare providers may recommend specific supplements, which can add to the overall cost. Consultation with a dietitian, you know, meeting a registered dietitian can be beneficial, but may involve additional cost. Now, there's this term, palliative care. What exactly is it? I'm sure you might have come across it. Palliative care is specialized medical care for individuals with serious illnesses including cancer. Its primary goal is to provide relief from the, from the symptoms and suffering associated with the illness rather than trying to cure the disease. 
palliative care focuses on improving the patient's quality of life, providing comfort and addressing physical, emotional and psychological needs. While this may include pain and symptom management, emotional and psychological support, communication and decision making, that is facilitating discussions about treatment options, care preferences, and end-of-life decisions. Spiritual and social support is also part of palliative care. It addresses the spiritual and social needs of patients and their families. Coordination of care, ensuring that patients' medical care is well-coordinated and that they receive the most appropriate treatments and services. While palliative care can be provided in various settings, including hospitals, outpatient clinics, inpatient hospice facilities, and even at home. It is often delivered by a team of healthcare professionals, including doctors, nurses, social workers, and chaplains who work together to address, you know, we've mentioned these needs before, the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. It's not limited to end-of-life situations. It can be integrated at any stage of a serious illness, including cancer itself, from the time of diagnosis onward. Patients with cancer who are experiencing symptoms, side effects of treatment or emotional distress can benefit from palliative care. It is not just for those with advanced or terminal cancer. It can be provided alongside curative or life-prolonging treatment. The time for palliative care can vary on the patient, depending on the patient needs, and it's often recommended when cancer-related symptoms or side effects are impacting the patient's well-being. I've mentioned uh, that one of the settings that uh, palliative care may be administered is in a hospice. What is a hospice? This is a hospital, this is a specialized facility or program that provides compassionate care and support to individuals with terminal illnesses, including cancer, during the final stages of their life. Hospice care focuses on enhancing the quality of life, managing symptoms, and providing emotional and spiritual support to both the patient and the family. In, a, in Kenya, there are several hospices and uh, palliative care facilities that provide care and support to cancer patients. Some of them, Nairobi Hospice, Coast Hospice, Kisumu Hospice, Gilgil Hospice. The Gilgil Hospice is located in Nakuru County, by the way. Some of the, you know, here, we're going to mention a couple of uh, well-known individuals who have uh, ended up surviving and being warriors to cancer. We have Cheryl Crow, the Grammy-winning singer and songwriter who was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer in 2006 and has been an advocate of breast cancer awareness and early detection. Uh, we have Robin Roberts, the Good Morning America uncle, battled breast cancer and developed myelodysplastic syndrome. She has been a vocal advocate of bone marrow donation and cancer. We have Christina Applegate, diagnosed in 2008 and uh, underwent a double mastectomy. Mastectomy is uh, the cutting of the breast. She had been actively involved in breast cancer advocacy and founded the uh, the Right Action for Women Foundation, which is also a cancer foundation. We have uh, Cynthia Nixon. She's a, she's a Sex and the City 
actress and uh, she was diagnosed in 2006. She's been using her platforms to raise awareness about the disease. We have uh, Olivia Newton-John. Uh, she's acted this, the Greece. She started there actually. And uh, she's a breast cancer survivor and has been involved in cancer research and uh, awareness efforts. While these individuals have used their experiences to raise awareness, promote early detection and support others in their breast cancer journey, their openness about the diagnosis has helped reduce the stigma that comes with cancer. When it comes to foundations and organizations in Kenya that specifically focus on helping breast cancer patients, we have uh, organizations such as the Kenya Cancer Association, uh, also known as KenCasa. We have Faraja, Faraja, sorry, we have Faraja Cancer Support Trust. We have Hope for Cancer Kids. While primarily they focus on pediatric cancer, the organization also supports adult cancer patients. We also have Breast Cancer Kenya, Binti Pomoja Center, Farmer's Choice Limited Breast Cancer Campaign. I had mentioned that I, I happened to come across a, a billboard by Farmer's Choice Limited, yeah? Advocating for, you know, breast cancer screening and testing. Well, these organizations provide valuable services, including support groups, counseling, financial assistance, and uh, advocacy efforts to improve breast cancer awareness in Kenya. Their work is essential in helping breast cancer patients navigate their journey from diagnosis to treatment and beyond. So you may be wondering, in case you know someone who may be uh, a cancer patient or a family that is having a uh, cancer patient, how does one become a beneficiary of breast cancer foundations in Kenya? Well, individuals or patients typically need to follow these general steps. Contact the foundation, that is through their website or online directories. Inquire about support services so they can guide you on the application process and the available services that they offer. Provide necessary information, complete application forms, attend interviews or assessment. In some cases, to determine your specific needs and eligibility for certain services and assistance, you may have to undergo an interview. You know, essentially you have to follow the application guidelines, wait for a response, engage in foundation programs once you're accepted. The application process and available services may vary from one breast cancer foundation to another. Therefore, it is advisable to contact the specific foundation you're interested in for detailed information. I do believe you could um, you could have gained a thing or two that uh, you weren't aware of, and you could potentially help spread the message about breast cancer continually, not just in the month of uh, October, it being pink October. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ciao. Ciao.